a little bit of a disclaimer before I begin my sermon. Um, I was asked, there will be no singing or dancing during my sermon, so <laughs> you'll have to wait uh, for Michael to come back. In my youth, I liked reading the stories in the book of Acts, but I simply read them as one would read a novel. When I decided to teach Acts in my Bible study, I found myself really studying the book of Luke. And I saw that there was deeper meaning in there, not just a collection of stories, uh, but real powerful stories about the early church and its leaders. I began to appreciate the stories as lessons and teaching. There is so much in the book of Acts for Christians to learn and apply practically to our lives, our walk in our faith, and the building of the church. Today we are looking at Acts chapter 14. If I had to use one word to summarize this chapter, I would say this chapter is about evangelism. There are a number of lessons here. We will look at several patterns for effective evangelism, and then I will close with a lesson on the church. First, let's get some background for chapter 14. Last week in Acts 13, we left Paul and Barnabas about a third of the way on their first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas had called by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel in new lands, so they sailed to the island of Cyprus where they proclaimed the word of God. Next, they went to Poseidon, Antioch, which is located on the mainland in present southern-day Turkey, and there they ran into some opposition in their teaching. At the end of Acts 13, we read, The word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But Paul and Barnabas shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The opposition had come about because Paul had said that God made him and Barnabas a light for the Gentiles and that the Gentiles would receive salvation. This was antithetical to Jewish teaching and culture. The Jews thought they only were God's chosen people. They firmly believed that no one outside of a Jew could have this type of a connection to God. And some Jews believed it was heresy to even consider this was acceptable or possible. Paul became an enemy to these Jews and his teaching became so abhorrable, as we will see in Acts 14, that their initial desire to drive him out of the city of Antioch grew to a desire to get rid of him permanently. In Acts 14, we find Paul and Barnabas in Iconium preaching and teaching. They were actually evangelizing. Unfortunately, I think evangelism has gotten a bad connotation. To many people, those who evangelize are seen as arrogant, pushy, showy, or inauthentic. But evangelism is preaching the gospel with the intention of sharing the message and teachings of Jesus Christ. This is exactly what Paul and Barnabas were doing. It was the reason they were here in Iconium and their goal for this whole missionary journey. A two-year journey of approximately 1,400 miles. They wanted to teach the gospel. They wanted to spread the news of Jesus Christ. Teaching and spreading the good news was the primary importance for their trip and it was their focus. To Paul, the significance of the message of God's word the consequence on people's lives was so important that he would teach and preach it regardless of the personal cost. 
Fifteen times in chapters 13 and 14, Luke writes the phrases, God's word, the word of truth, the teaching of the Lord, and the good news. This is what drove Paul. But we are not Paul. Most of us are not called to be missionaries like Paul. We are not called to leave our homes and families to witness to other cultures and in other countries. Yet the good news of Jesus Christ is important. It is life-changing. It is transforming. It tells us about the message of grace and eternal life. And therefore, it must drive our lives. And we need to be willing to share the message of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are called to evangelize. Or if you prefer a different word, witness. Let's look at some patterns for effective evangelism, sharing the gospel. Are you ready? Let's dive in. First and foremost, in order to be a people and effective witness, we must be into God's word. For evangelism to be effective, we must be saturated in the word of God and the gospel. If we are not into God's word, or if we are only contemplating the message of Christ just on Sunday morning, we are not being driven by the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a difference between the me that is driven by God's word and the me that isn't. It's very noticeable. When I take a couple of days off of reading and meditating on scripture, I find myself driven by my passions and emotions more so than by the Holy Spirit and the gospel. Pastor Chuck Swindoll reflected, could it be that you've grown a little soft in the past few months in your commitment to time spent in the scriptures? It may be happening to you just as it happens to me from time to time. Please heed this gentle warning. If you are getting ready to go off to school or preparing to take on new ministry responsibilities or getting ready to launch a new phase of your career, don't do it without first establishing a regular time to meet alone with the Lord preparing yourself for the new challenge by spending time in his word. Your spiritual future depends on it. Without that commitment to saturate your life with God's word, you step into the unknown future at your own risk. I urge you to spend sufficient time with the Lord so you might be strengthened within. It can begin with as little as 15 minutes each day. As we look into Acts 14, consider the significance of the gospel the impact of the message of Jesus Christ, the importance of God's word in Paul's life and those he taught. In verse 1, we read that Paul and Barnabas spoke in such a way that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. In verse 21, we read about Paul and Barnabas preaching the gospel in Derbe, where they made many disciples. How exciting it is here to, to, how exciting it is here to hear that a great number of people are being brought to Christ and how exciting it is when even just one person comes to know Christ. When our lives are saturated in God's word and the good news, we can, we will have an impact on others in the ministry of Jesus Christ. It comes down to how we use these opportunities. A second pattern for effective evangelism, use your natural opportunities to share about Jesus Christ. Let's look at some examples from our scripture reading for today. Do you notice where Paul and Barnabas begin their evangelism when they arrive in Iconium? They enter the synagogue. This is where they feel comfortable. 
it's natural for them to come together with the people. Paul, after all, was a Pharisee, a scholar in the laws of Moses. So in the synagogue, they taught the Old Testament and they showed the people how these Old Testament prophecies connected to Jesus. Similarly, think of the places where you are comfortable, the workplace or school, a children's playgroup. You may be in a discussion or people may ask you questions and sharing your faith can be a very natural response. It could be something as simple as when your friends ask you something to do on a Sunday or if you have a WANA or youth group or small group. This is an opportunity to share. So a natural response could go something like this. I would like to go to the movies with you, but I'm going to be at a WANA or I'm going to be at small group at my church. Say the words, I am a Christian and explain why you need to be there. You can even invite them to come with you. Or it could be a deeper opportunity. When I was managing our factory, I was stopped by one of our key workers. We'd been talking about a project she was working on and we were going on over how it was going to be designed. Out of the blue, she asked me if I would ever have an affair with an employee. I was pretty shocked by the question. I knew there had been several extramarital affairs between employees in my workplace. I said, no. I told her I was a Christian, which she knew. I told her that I loved my wife and that the Bible taught us that marriage was for life. Having an affair was wrong, so no, never. I think my answer surprised her. A couple of weeks later, she came to me visibly upset and she shared that she had had an affair and it had caused some problems with her husband. This gave me another opportunity to share with her about Jesus Christ and his grace. In a second example from our reading, Paul and Barnabas find themselves in a strange position. While in Lystra, led by the Holy Spirit, Paul heals a man who was crippled from birth. The crowds in Lystra think they are gods who have come down to them in the likeness of men. While teaching and preaching about Jesus Christ, because of this miraculous healing, the people they are preaching to instead think they are gods. The crowd calls Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes. Talk about your audience getting the wrong message. But wow, think of the possibilities. The crowd would do anything for them. The priest of Zeus even began to bring them oxen and garlands and offer sacrifices on their behalf. What an opportunity for some personal glory and a great temptation. Yet Paul and Barnabas used this opportunity to give credit to God. In fact, they were so adamant that God be given the credit that they tore their clothes and ran into the crowd. By tearing their clothes, Paul and Barnabas were vividly expressing an emotion of a Paul at being called gods. And they used this opportunity, verse 15, to share about the one true living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, the one who satisfies your hearts with food and gladness. It's so easy and tempting to take credit for things we do and accomplish. It's not necessarily wrong to do this, but these may be opportunities to give credit and to talk to God, talk about God. However, if somebody calls you a God, you definitely cannot take the credit for that. But how about when you're given honor for the type of person you are? Oh, Mary, you're so compassionate and caring. Or if someone is acknowledging the reaction you're having to a situation, 
Joe, it was so nice of you to help that stranger who was having car problems. Give the credit to God. This is because of my faith. I am a Christian. Jesus teaches us to love our neighbor. And there is that opportunity to talk about Jesus and to share your faith. We don't necessarily need to be standing on the street corners preaching and teaching, but we can simply start with what is natural and comfortable for us to talk to others, where they are at. As the gospel permeates our lives and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, in our lives, in how we live, in how we act in certain situations, they will serve as a witness. How much better would it be known would it be that we were known for our biblical counseling or our biblical stand on moral values or our biblical commitment in living a life in imitation of Christ than our lack of compassion and care towards others, than our various sins or our self-centeredness? And we can use these opportunities to give credit to Jesus Christ. However, like Paul, we may find that our witness for Jesus may not be taken well. A third pattern of effective evangelism is that there will be opposition. Several Christian writers commenting on this noted that successful ministry creates opposition. There was a time when many may have considered America to be a Christian nation, but our culture moved to oppose much of what evangelical Christianity stands for. There are many today in our culture, society, and community who disregard the importance of God's word and the good news. It has been commonplace to deny Jesus Christ the way, his truth, and his life. Truth instead is how society chooses to define it. And Jesus, he was just a character in an old irrelevant book. Jack Arnold in his book, Patterns in Evangelism, which gave me the basic idea for this sermon, writes that, Acts 14 is a chapter which tells us about the patterns which were set up in the first century evangelism. These patterns not only include certain methods, but also include certain psychological and spiritual patterns which occur when the gospel is preached. There was always a positive and negative response to the preached word. Usually, there was some kind of persecution from the Jews or Gentiles who were rejectors of Christ. Lastly, there was also devices of Satan to keep the gospel from spreading. Satan has a pattern to his opposition, and he always strikes when the message of Christ is preached with power and when a person least expects it. Acts 14 is a pattern for all Christian witness in any age. If this pattern is followed today, it will always result in the same reactions that you find recorded in the book of Acts. As we see in the beginning of this chapter in Acts, even miracles will not convince everybody that Jesus is Lord. But this does not mean we should stop witnessing, telling others about the wonderful gifts of grace that we have in Jesus Christ. I've heard this statement in many different ways, but I like the way my study Bible sums up this in one sentence. Sow your seeds of good news on the best ground you can find in the best way you can and leave the convincing to the Holy Spirit. This brings us to my final pattern of effective evangelism. Have courage in the Holy Spirit. It's hard to stand up and talk about Jesus when we know there could be rejection or opposition. But we are called to witness to others. Like Jesus pronounced in the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. 
Yet following Jesus is not risk-free. It takes courage to be a Christian. Courage in the Holy Spirit. Paul's story here in Acts 14 is a prime example of this. He left Antioch because the Jews expelled him from their city because of his preaching. So he went to preach in the city of Iconium. And he had to leave there because there were threats to stone him. He went to preach in Lystra where they did stone him and left him for dead. But Paul felt called to preach the gospel and the next day after being left for dead, he went and preached in the city of Derbe. Then after preaching the gospel to that city, verses 21 and 22, and making many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch after being left for dead, and he went there strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to their faith. That takes courage. Courage that comes from the leading of the Holy Spirit. Courage that comes from being confident of your faith and your hope and promise that we have in Jesus Christ. We probably will not face a mob that's ready to stone us, but there may be a time when the Holy Spirit and our faith will cause us to stand up for people or take a stand against a particular injustice. It takes courage to do that. There may be a time we know if we share about our faith or talk about Jesus Christ, there will be opposition. People may laugh at you. They may think you're mindless, foolish, or ignorant. Have courage in the Holy Spirit, and it's calling for you to evangelize. Because it will do two things. First, it will lead to the gospel being shared. We read about Paul's courage, and he returned to the cities that had rose up against him in order to strengthen the souls of the disciples. Second, courage itself can be a powerful witness and tool for the Holy Spirit. I was blessed to be raised in a Christian family. We read the Bible, and I remember constantly reading a book about the Good Samaritan. My mom, in particular, taught about loving my neighbor, which included standing up for those who could not stand up for themselves. One day, I was walking home from elementary school with my next-door neighbor, and I saw a group of boys much older and bigger, they were beating up Fritz, one of my classmates. Fritz had a learning disability. I wouldn't say I was particularly courageous as a youngster, so I believe it was the Holy Spirit through lessons that I had been taught about my faith that gave me the courage to step up and say something. It definitely wasn't my next door neighbor, he told me to run. I told the group of boys to leave Fritz alone. They did and they beat me up. I wasn't far from home, and I remember my next-door neighbor walking me home. I was crying the whole way home. My mom was proud of me, but I was still hurting and bleeding. The point of this story is that doing what is right with God, in God's eyes can come with a cost. There will be hardships. But I do think this Christian courage had an impact on my next-door neighbor, who was Jewish, I think this Christian courage had an impact on the kid who was getting beat up and maybe even on the group of boys who were doing the beating. In fact, several years later when I was in high school, I ran into one of the boys who had been in the group. There was a reference to the incident and I could see his remorse and some respect. He had definitely changed from being a bully. 
God encourage us to be strong and courageous. And I do believe Christian courage can make a difference. Paul kept preaching after the many hardships and he grew the church. As you are led by the Holy Spirit, have courage to share your faith and things will happen. In closing, I want to make some comments in the text regarding the church, focusing on verses 21 to 25. As Paul and Barnabas preached in one converts, they realized that these new converts had to be grounded in their faith. They couldn't be just converts, but disciples, followers of Christ, people who would be true and obedient to the faith. But even disciples can be led astray through misunderstanding, apathy, or other means. Paul's letters are filled with teaching and instructions on doctrine, how Christians are supposed to live, and how to deal with false teaching. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, warns Timothy to be aware of false teachers, but to remain trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. In order to do this, Paul and Barnabas create an organizational structure for the body of Christ, the church. Paul's goal was to make individual Christians, but more importantly, to build these individuals into Christian fellowship. We see here in verses 21 to 25, as Paul and Barnabas return to the cities where they had established disciples, followers of Christ, they appoint elders in each church and with prayer and fasting they commit them to the Lord. The church is a place where disciples are strengthened and encouraged through order and appointed trained leaders. And in God's wisdom, this, the church, is vital in sustaining and supporting evangelism. Pastor Tim Keller writes, from Acts 14, 21-28, we see two phases to Paul's ministry, Christian formation and church formation. In a concise example of how Paul produced Christian formation, Acts 14 highlights the principles of evangelism and instruction. Paul and Barnabas are aware that Christians will go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 22, and it is us, the church, that will teach the word of God, helping believers follow the truths of the gospel. It is us, the church, who will strengthen its disciples by teaching truths so that we can witness and evangelize in the places we are called. It is us, the church, who will encourage believers to have courage and stand firm in the Holy Spirit and in our faith. One commentator wrote, Preaching the word of God is the most important responsibility the church and its members have been given. Be prepared for, courageous in, and sensitive to God-given opportunities to tell the good news. Effective evangelism. How are we doing? Let's pray. Lord, in your infinite wisdom, you created a church, this body, under this roof to spread the good news of your grace and love and to help build your kingdom. Help us to be the church that teaches, strengthens, and encourages each other as we live our lives and witness about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Holy Spirit, spur us to regularly read and study your word. Prompt us in opportunities to share our faith and give us the courage to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.